Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, June 2nd. Before we get to another edition of Technique Tuesday with our friends at My Tennis HQ, just wanted to take a second to remind all of you listeners that these mini break podcasts are made possible day in, day out due to the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports. And you know all about the support from Midwest Sports because for more than 20 years, they've served as one of the world's premier tennis equipment suppliers. They offer a comprehensive selection of fast shipping tennis supplies that few ta- retailers can match, carrying tens of of thousands of products available online for shipping directly from their automated warehouse to your front door. They understand that the game of tennis changes over time, and they value innovation, and have personally tailored their products to highlight your skills on the court. Now, maybe you don't know exactly what your game needs. Maybe it's been a while since you've looked at the brand new racket technology and what it can do. Well, don't worry about that, because the well-trained staff at Midwest Sports are intimately familiar with all tennis equipment and can help you find that perfect racket, perfect tennis shoe, or perfect piece of tennis clothing that is sure to put you ahead of the competition. Their selections of tennis equipment are consistently first to market, and they pride themselves in stocking their tennis warehouse with the newest products at the lowest prices. You can find all of these products by traveling to their website, MidwestSports.com. Once you're there, I promise you, you're going to see some gear you like. You're going to want to get yourself ready for when you make your return turn to the tennis court. Before you order, though, be sure you use our promo code CR15 to get 15% off your order. If you use that promo code, not only will you get that 15% off, you'll get free two-day shipping with all orders exceeding $75. And then to top it all off, they're going to throw in a free can of Wilson tennis balls to ensure once again that you have all you need for when you make your return to the tennis court. So go to MidwestSports.com. Use our promo code CR15 to let them know who sent you there. And again, we are so grateful for their continued support of us. The least we can do is ask you to go check out their site and support them as well. So MidwestSports.com, that promo code is CR15. Now again, no new segment for us today. Uh, We are all well aware of the atmosphere right now across the country, and we address the tragic killing of George Floyd at the beginning of yesterday's mini break podcast. There's an article up right now talking about why we believe here at Cracked Rackets that all of us in the tennis community uh, have a you know have it as our obligation to ensure to stand up for equality, to fight social injustice wherever we see it, because that's really the story of professional tennis throughout its years. It dates back through Arthur Ashe, through Billie Jean King, through the fight of Venus and Serena, and so many people from throughout tennis's history who have fought for equality and again justice for all, equal justice for all as well. Uh, we addressed that at the beginning of yesterday's pod, and again, that article on our website, CrackedRackets.com, and you know, that news is really, uh, you know, transcending throughout the world right now, not much going on in the prof- 
professional tennis world worth mentioning. But of course, we did want to give you listeners some sort of avenue to get away from all of that should you need an escape, should you just you know want to settle in the tennis community for a little bit, let your head drift off and have some fun. And so, you know, we didn't want to leave you hanging. We thought we were going to continue the mini break this week. And of course, it's Tuesday. So we have another edition of Technique Tuesday with our friends at My Tennis HQ. Today, it's My Tennis HQ co-founder, our friend of the show, Carousel. And we talk about how to work on handling the pace of your opponent, how not to be overwhelmed by it. We also, of course, ask, I ask him, what are the strings, the racket right now he's a fan of? We talk about some of the other content going on on My Tennis HQ. I believe there's a tangent about times we've both been playing doubles and had the server hit at us. Uh, So some fun stories in there as well. So without further ado, let's get to another edition of My Tennis HQ Technique Tuesdays with our friend, Carousel. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Joining us on another edition of Technique Tuesday, you of course know him as a former standout for the UCLA men's tennis team, a current hitting partner for Naomi Osaka, and of course one of the co-founders of our friends at My Tennis HQ, Carousel. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back. I feel like we're, you know, it feels like we're doing this every day, but um, it's... <laughs> Like these weeks are just going by crazy fast. Yeah, no, time flies when you're having fun. I know. I, I always look forward to these Technique Tuesdays. I mean, I legitimately have a question to myself. I wake up every Monday and I'm like, all right, what is the tangent I'm going to get crew with later on today? And it's part of a highlight for the week, right? It's the little things at this point. I know it's been actually kind of nice, but it's just everything's just going by crazy fast, and every week there's something new. So yeah, no, but yeah, it's been nice. Yeah, without question. And I know for you guys at My Tennis HQ, you also have something new going on this week. You guys are giving a, are having a racket giveaway, I believe. We are, we are. So if you guys want, you know, if you guys want a chance of uh, of winning a, a new tennis racket, it's a Speed Pro. It's brand new. Um, yeah, we have a new uh, we have a giveaway going on. So you can just go to our Instagram page at My Tennis HQ, and uh, all the instructions are there. Uh, the the Sorry, my dog is biting me. Uh, the winner will be announced on June fifteenth, so we got two weeks, and it's a good chance because we, you know, we're not as big as Crack Racket, so we're we're not gonna have that many entries. <laughs> um, so you know, go check it out, and you know, you have a chance of of winning a brand new racket. Are you a guy who also plays with the Head Speed Pro? I do play with it. Yeah, I've been playing for the last like a year and a half or so, and I love it. So. Um, you know, we got the chance uh, with Sophia Bot, and she she hooked us up with a racket. So uh, we want to give it away. It's you know untouched. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I mean, I would say again, everyone, go check out the mytennishq.com uh, website or mytennishq.com. Go check out the Instagram page. Go check out the Twitter page. Get yourself involved in that racket giveaway. Were you the sort of guy who switched rackets a bunch during your career? Not really. I played with Yonix actually from when I was 14 until 2018, I think, when I switched to head. 
Um, so I switched through like all the Yonex's models, like the, you know, through the, you know, the Nalbandian one, that yellow one, all the way through, <laughs> man, I think the black one that Stan Vavrinka plays, I played with a lot of them. I like switching rackets, but I, I, I didn't really want to, um, the new ones at the time didn't really suit my game anymore. So I switched ahead and had been super, super great since. So. Yeah, I didn't switch too much. I like rackets. I actually love hitting with different rackets. I'm always like trying to fill different rackets if I have friends with, you know, with different sticks. But, but the, this this uh, speed that I have, it's kind of like the sweet spot for my game, to be honest. So I really love it. You and I have that in common. Another trait we share. Uh, for me, there it's le- yeah, it's less about the frame. It's more about the strings and the tension, right? I feel like yeah. It, it, I mean, if, if you find the frame that's best for you, rock with it. That's why I still rock yeah, the Prince exactly. Graphite on court. But yeah. I do enjoy mixing things up a little bit. Yeah, I like, and especially if I'm just teaching or hitting or something like that. I I like hitting with a different frame. Um, I'm pretty particular about the feel of the racket if I'm playing, if I'm competing. And string tensions, all that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty feely with it. I like, I know what I like. But just for hitting, I, I kind of like enjoy different, different strings and different tensions and different rackets, just to like see, you know, what's out there. And so it can kind of, I don't know. I, I just find it fun. I just find it fun feeling all these rackets. Yeah. You strike me as someone who's in that forty-eight to fifty-two tension range. Me? Yeah. No. I'm playing. I'm playing. When I was playing pros, I was at 60, 62, 64. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I play with tight rackets because I have a hard time if I'm missing long, bringing back in. It's hard for me because I play very flat mm-hmm. and I end, I end up under hitting. Um, like I won't accelerate through my shot enough. If I'm hitting short with a with a tight racket, I know I can swing harder and I can you know, just kind of keep my full swing going. That's very, um, so. that's, no, it's interesting you say that because the majority of people I talk to, uh, per- or I feel like tend to string on the lower range. You know, you tell them you're high fifties and they'll say, wow, that sucks. You know, I feel like yeah. all of them are in that 44 to 50 range. Yeah. Depend- I mean, honestly, like from what I hear, you know, Novak, Murray, uh, those guys are stringing, you know, in the 58s to sixties and, just depends on the type of player. If you play with a lot of spin, lower lower tension is usually better because it will give you more pop mm-hmm. uh, and more rotation. Uh, but if you're more of like a flatter player, um, if you're more of like a one-two punch player as well, you know, you want just big strokes, you don't really care for rallying too much, um, uh, uh, like a lower string tension will be better. But um, I kind of play... I want to be solid and I want to, you know, I, I bank on having long rallies and not long rallies, but if I have to, I'm on out, out hitting guys um, like that. So I need, I need my, my tension to be, to be pretty high. And I hate it when like it drops too quickly during the match. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if I put, typically I was at 58, 58 was always my thing, but depends on the stringing i'm pretty like like i said i'm pretty particular with that stuff so I, i'll feel it right away you know if a 58 is not 58 i'll go to 60 or to 62 64 mm-hmm. so it depends on the stringing machine too 
Mm-hmm. No, another thing you and I have in common, 58 on the tension. There you go. I mean, your 58 is a little bit go. more real, I suppose, than my 58, but they're both still yeah. on the register as the same thing. And again, this is go. the opening tangent right off the bat, but I had the chance to go. talk when I was at the Ann Arbor Challenger with the stringer there, and I've had the chance to talk to, you know, be at a bunch of different events where, you know, there's these mass-producing stringers, or and not to, not to criticize any of them because they are all exceptional, but it's that, you know, on a week-by-week basis for many tournaments, you're trusting your rackets. You're trusting these strings to people that you don't know. How difficult is it for you to ensure that you have the right strings, the right gear, that everything feels good tension-wise when you're traveling across the country or across the world even for all these different pro events? I mean, you just kind of have to – you always have to string a racket or two before you play. Mm-hmm. Like you're always going to have to, you know, go for go for your normal tension. Um, obviously, it depends on where you're playing. Like if it's altitude or whatever, but – Go for a normal tension, see how it feels, and not just how it feels, you know, right off the first like couple balls, but after like thirty minutes, is the drop is it dropping tension a lot? Is it not? Um, that's always it was a pet peeve for me. Like if I did, you know, if I went fifty eight and by five games in, I'm feeling like it's just not, you know, even close to that anymore. Um, that really pissed me off. Um, but most of it, I I'll say most places do a great job with it, and even if it you know, it's a little on the loose side or the, um, on, in my experience, I, just a couple pounds higher would fix the problem. So I could have like a, a racket. I mean, I was playing futures and challengers, so I'm not stringing eight rackets a day. I'm hopefully having to string two max. Um, so for me, if I can play two sets with the same racket, switch on the third, that was kind of, that was kind of my sweet spot. So, um, it's usually fine like most of the times i mean you have to be in a pretty crappy place i would say i play mostly in america so america (laughs) america does a pretty good job with that like i'll I'll give it to yeah if nothing else yeah if nothing else right now we're still good very good at stringing rackets um but we can leave that there um yeah all right last two questions for you on this topic in terms of again you know the the frames out there right now because this podcast is sponsored by our friends at midwest sports and of course we are so appreciative of their continued support and you know you can find all of the racket combinations all of the strings out there uh for your needs on their website midwestsports.com use that promo code cr15 but my question to you Karu, what is the racket out there outside of the head you are playing with if there's any racket you could say to tennis players out there this is the one you should be getting what's your favorite go-to what's your racket what's your string uh string i i want to say luxland like i honestly i was never a luxland player uh, but yeah, it, it makes a difference. Uh, Lux, it's it's pretty good. Like um, Al Power or even what's the other one? The yellow one. I can't remember the name now. Uh, racket wise, it just really depends a lot on the, your style of play. I like kind of an all around racket. Is the is that E Zone? The Yonex E Zone. E Zone is usually good. It, it's a good balance between power and control and feel. Um, so I like that one. Um, the blade, um, kind of like an all-around racket as well. I think it's, I think it's pretty. Good. I, I, I mean, I'm the kind of guy that likes all-around rackets that you can do everything with it. There's you know, obviously your battle up, you know, pure strike that is like you know for extreme power, all that stuff. But you kind of sacrifice other, you know, feeling, feel, and maybe man- maneuverability within all that stuff. But yeah, blade. I want to say blade. I want to say 
D-Zone. Uh, Yonex has been a, a good lineup for the recent, the last few years. Um, from head, I, I do think that the speed is probably the best all-around racket. Mm-hmm. No, um, there's a lot of good ones yeah. out there for sure. There's, uh, a, there's a lot of good, good ones, yeah. But yeah. I think those those three are probably like I've seen a lot of people switch from like the prestige to the the speed one after like last year. I think there's a lot of people made that switch. So I think the the, the speed has been pretty popular. Uh, the E zone has been really popular. So I think those those three are probably my three picks um, as of right now. Yeah, all good selections. I'm upset you didn't throw in my Prince Graphite, but it's okay. I don't hold yeah, any grudges at this point. Even existed anymore. <laughs> I think once you see a Prince player on the other side of the court, you're already up a bridge. <laughs> well, A, f*** you. B, yes, that's, that's very correct. You're not wrong. I'm going to get broken, but I'm also going to place those returns just so beautifully uh, with, right. my, with the feel I have. So, yeah, fair question. Last one on the stringing front. How fast can you string a racket at this point of your life? I, I don't even know how to string it. I just did that. I did. We have a video on how to string a racket, and I I filmed it, so I I have an idea now. But I never had the need to. Like I didn't have one when I was growing up. Uh, a stringing machine, and you're traveling so much for tournaments. You're not taking a stringing machine, and then you get to UCLA. It's four years of you know stringing, and then you're on the. Tra- I guess when I was on tour, I should have done it, but I I couldn't be bothered. I I I. I don't know. Like, yeah. call me lazy. Like, I, I'm embarrassed by it, but yeah, it will take me a couple hours to do it, probably. No, I, I'll, I'll make you feel better about yourself. I don't know how to string. I also have zero idea how to grip my own racket. I still don't oh, know how that's... to do it. Oh, we have a video on that, too. You can look it up. <laughs> well, of course I have. Look, I'm always we're, down for the, the pro. Hey, we're, we're hitting all the, the spots. Yeah, exactly. Racket reviews and gripping. There I always go. and I think this was a way we built camaraderie, but before every match I'd have this little grip and I've said this before, so I apologize for repeating myself, correct rackets fans, but I'd have this little shameful smile on my face and I'd go up to my doubles partner, I'd be like Rothman, like, Can you please grip this? And he would oh be like, Dude he'd be like, How do you not know how to grip rackets? I'm like, Are you gonna do this again or will you just please grip it? And then he'd grip it, yeah. he'd be like, Here you go. I'm like, See, we all we both won. Like, this is a win-win. There you go. Yeah. Well, Naomi doesn't grip her racket, so, you know. <laughs> and, as, you know, I've been saying for years, me and Naomi Osaka have a lot in common. And so there that's just, a, yeah, another thing you can throw on the list. But obviously, you know, the reason we always like to have you guys on today is to go through some of the pieces on MyTennisHQ.com, break down the videos, the articles, whatever it may be going on this week. We are going to talk about your bit video in a second in terms of how players can get better at handling pace from their opponents. But I just want to hit a quick wrap fire in terms of some of the questions I have from your other articles. We hit gambling in tennis last year, or last week and the issues for that. I will say there's a great piece written by Julian Cash, who I believe is the former Oklahoma State uh, yes. All-American, who on his quick fixes for prize money redistribution and gambling issues in pro tennis. If you want to hear more on that, check out last week's conversations. But another one I read this week, can you volley a serve back in tennis? And that sounds fairly you know, obvious. No, you cannot. If the ball hits the net cord and it hits you out of the air, that is still a let. And I'm not going to lie. That was the first time I learned that little fact by reading the article. But my question for you off of this, Karu, because we all know the fact. If you're playing doubles, the server hits you and you're at the net with your partner's returning, but you get hit at the net, it's their point. Have you ever been hit at the net by a serve, Karu, A? And B, have you ever intentionally hit someone back? 
N- no, I never hit it. I think I've went. I've gone for it. I'm not gonna lie. I think I've gone. I can't remember who, but it's probably in college. I think I've gone for the down the line serve. I did one time. It was me and Mitchell Kruger uh, playing semifinals of Australian Open Juniors in doubles that we lost match points to go to the finals. By the way, I did <laughs> shank a serve. A serve. Uh, I think I hit. Was it Ben Waglin? Waglin? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure I hit him. And was just absolutely second serve shank. Hit him. And I was like, well, it's our point. But yeah, never never got hit, though. Never got hit. Um, but I'm, I think I've tried, or at least just scare someone. I don't know if I went for their hit, but I've done it. Practice maybe like when we were the UCLA guys and we were like pissed off at someone or something. Um, definitely have done it, but yeah, guys, don't 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 do that or do that, whatever. Have you you've never been hit though? Never been hit. Never been. Hit. Yeah, you're too you're too not agile for that. Yeah, not of a serve. I've been pegged. That's true, but not of a serve. Yeah, I had it happen to me, and I'll I'll never forget the match. Junior year, Midland Dow Quad birthday weekend for me. So it's early October. It's cold in Michigan, and so it's finally getting you know early October in Michigan. If it's a bad Saturday morning, which is when we played our high school tournaments, it means it's going to be thirty degrees in the morning or twenty eight degrees, and you're playing outside, and it's freezing, and your hands are freezing, and you're playing in sweats, and you know of course your hands get a little bit numb, and you know. I I like to think my junior great season for me. Otherwise, we can talk about my junior season another time, Carew. Um, but huh. you know, it's we're playing this team, and they're the number one team in D one, and like we just knew we could beat them. We are finally hitting our stride, and like we were like we are the better doubles team than them. And so we play this first set, and I mean, me and my partner play flawlessly. Six three, we take it. Like we're, I'm a junior, my partner's a senior. They're two seniors, and there's a rivalry between my partner and them from over the years, and so like they are not happy that we took that first set. <laughs> Second set starts. It's it's uh oh or I think it's yeah, zero zero first game, fifteen all. I shank a first serve just horribly. Like clean contact, but it's just you know those ones where you shank it but it's clean contact so it goes like straight arrow just the wrong direction. Yes. And so that's what I happened, and I hit him right in the knee. Like, just peg him square on. And I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. I lost. And you know me, crew. I'm not, like, I'm never going to win a fight, so why am I going to try and start one? Um, and so I'm, I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean to do that. They're like, oh, whatever, whatever, whatever. First point, next game, his service game, he blasts the first serve right at me. Hits me right in the I'm like, I look at him, I'm like, dude, I promise you I was not trying to start a fight. Like, I apologize for hitting you, but can we not do that anymore? And he's like, oh, no, dude, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I was like, all right, well, f*** you. And we ended up winning the match three and three. So, you know, John Zhao, I know you're out there. I remember it. Do you. And anyways, that's my story. There you go. Good story, man. I can always, those are always fun. Fight, fights on the court underrated. So, again, I, we are in full tangent mode, I suppose. Tennis is a classy sport. The trash talk isn't as outward as in some other sports. But there's yeah. still trash talk. Think about it. Like, it's just two individuals in singles, or it's two teams in doubles. The glares you share. Like, you're looking for a reason to hate your opponent. It does get pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I find the, the down. Sorry, dog. Um, I find the whole, like, tennis is a classy sport the whole thing like i think that needs to go away not to like we don't need to get crazy but i i just don't in my opinion like uh you know the average fan of tennis is you know is getting older and older like a 
a, a younger generation of spectators needs something more exciting, like something more engaging than just sitting there and just like, ooh, great point. Game. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? It's like the trash talk is there. Ten, and it, it, tennis is like, I mean, it's, at the end of the day, it's, it, it's classy and all that, but like it's you against another guy and there's very few few uh, sports that is like that. It's just that one to, one-on-one competition. Uh, I need to like, you know, there's no shot clock. There's nothing. You just have to, you know, step on the guy's throat and hopefully and not let them go. Um, so, you know, you need that mentality. You need that, like, the fighting mentality of, like, you know, hey, hey, we're friends, but, you know, once we, we get on the court, you know, I'm I'm going to crush you. Yeah, um, rivalries and, make for better sports. Exactly. And, and you know, I, li- I love college tennis because you could be, you know, such an uh, – not just on the court, but off the court. Not like a bad, but I'm not saying cheating or stuff, but like just, you know, finding ways to edge your opponent out mentally and finding ways of, of you know, getting in the guy's head, even if you're not playing, if you're just outside the court. I love that stuff. I think it got a little a little bit too much with the whole, like, what was it, SEC or whatever that allowed uh, for during the point cheering and then people were just like being nasty and stuff like that. That that got a little over the top, but I think there's a there's a there's a good in between where you can it could be less of like a I mean I guess we see that in the team events like in more in the Rod La- in the Laver Cup or ACP Cup things get like, you know, people are more in the, in each other's face. Um and I think that's that that's fun when people are in each other's face and they're able to just shake that off at the end. You know what I mean? It's like, hey we're we were battling and we were, you know, trying to mentally destroy each other. But now it's over and we can just, you know, be friends again or be just colleagues. Yeah. At least. No, I completely agree with you. And I'm not advocating for personal animosity between players. No, but exactly. Yeah, inevitably, when there's professional competition, there could rise to some personal animosity because you're competing for the same accolades. And, you know, again, as you mentioned, in the team format, and that's why college tennis is so exciting uh, because it does feel, you know, you're rooting for a cause. It's a team one against another, and these teammates get inspired. The energy level is higher. They can feed off one another. But then, you know— are there any truly, you know, violence, not the word I'm looking for, but uh, what's the antagonistic rivalries is the, what I was looking for in tennis right now? You could say no, not really, but I would make the case, and I know they're friendly and they play it very well in the media, but watch the early matches between them and just watch the body languages, body language shared between the two of them when they play. There is a genuine venom, at least competitively, between Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic on the court. And that's why I think the matches are as good as they always get, because Novak Djokovic, for some reason, just gets under Roger Federer's skin. He just doesn't—you can just tell that Federer's like, how am I losing to this guy who can't hurt me? This match is on my terms. I can hit him off the court. But Djokovic is just that needle in his side that just seems to survive and makes that extra ball. And you can tell. That's why, again, the finger— Wag Federer 2011 semifinals. He knocks off Djokovic during an undefeated start to the year and he shakes his finger wag saying, I'm still the best. You know, that came from a place of truth. That wasn't just a show thing for the crowd. And I think that moment perfectly encaptures, you know, that there is a genuine rivalry between the two of them that may not exist between, you know, Djokovic and Nadal or Djokovic or Nadal and Federer, uh, but does probably also exist between a guy like Kyrgios and Nadal. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think 
yeah, I mean, I think he's said it all. Like, he, they, he obviously, bad, as good as he is at, you know, painting or acting like he's like this, you know, off the core, super cool guy. He, I mean, he, he has that desire of winning and, the, and that kind of, you kind of have to be a little bit of a dick to, to, you know, win that much. Yeah. And, and, and I think Novak is the guy that like gets under his skin the most now. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's nice. It's kind of nice to see, but it's not also like a bit boring because they don't really, I mean, it's not like out there. It's just kind of like in the, you know, you can get some subtle hints of it, but you don't really like see them bashing each other or whatever it is, which will make it more interesting. Yeah, versus like, and you know, even amongst the young guys, at they're they're a little bit better now. But Tsitsipas Zverev yeah. and Tsitsipas Medvedev, and there is yeah. some comp- competition between the three. And guess what? It's because they're the three up and comers. They're not just competing for accolades on the tour. They're competing for sponsorships. They're competing for all of these different things. That's going to lead to some rivalry. And again, I'm not advocating for personal animosity between them and petty things. You know, petty. <laughs> that that's not what we're looking for. But a little. Comp- Competitive gusto, there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Yeah. All right. All of that being said, that was the tangent from, uh, again, that you can't hit one another in doubles, or what are the rules? Can you hit a, a serve out of the air? The answer to that, folks, is no. Um, other Elsewhere on there right now, there has, you know, how much do tennis players make the ugly truth? Uh, there's, again, a full list of charts talking oh, about good, where you make ranking. That is a good article. That's a article. Yeah, exceptional article written by your, again, co-founder, Guy Hadlich, and that's a, com- yeah. uh, a conversation we have had on this con- uh, podcast before. We can save break down the numbers from that article specifically for another yeah, we time. Can, we, we can, yeah, we can talk about that because it's a long one. It's kind of cool. Yeah, a really good article that I recommend for everyone. The last one, Drew Baird, this past year, a freshman at UCLA, wrote about the ITF Junior Tour path uh, versus going the USTA route if you are a junior training in America. All interesting things, all topics you can find on the website, mytennishq.com. But... 25 minutes in, folks. The subject we are here to talk about today is your video uh, discussing how players can better handle pace uh, from their opponents. And I just want to start with this. From one, uh, I suppose, video host to another, if you don't mind me saying... um, exceptional stuff, Karu. You continue to get better and better as a host. And I mean that seriously. Your presence on the camera, the tone of your delivery, the pace with which you speak, it is mightily impressive. So well done by you. Thank you. It looks it looks good because I edit well. I'm gonna give you that to myself because it takes me a while to to say because I'll say things and I'm like I mean I'm sure people in the podcast here like I I'm trying to explain things properly and then like I can't find the words but on camera I'm just like I can't be like having these like two minute pauses and I just, it's just like a whole thing but um, I I put them together. You know, with the, the, the thoughts that I, I'm kind of finding the groove of shooting, you know, in the sequence that I want to say everything. So it's it's getting better. It's getting getting better. I'm also like getting I, I'm taking over a little bit of the YouTube for for the guys. Um, he obviously works in Austin, um, you know, is teaching a lot. So like I for me, it's, uh, I enjoy doing the camera stuff. I actually like being behind the camera more, but. Uh, it's been fun. It's been a it's been a good time, and I think uh, the videos are starting to kind of come together nicely. So hopefully we'll keep keep that going. 
No, and again, I just think credit deserves to be given because it's clear you work hard on them. And seriously, from the opening graphic all the way through, uh, they continue to get more and more enjoyable. And, you know, as I mentioned today, uh, the topic you talk about is handling pace from the opponent. And, you know, the example you start out with is Nick Kyrgios blasting a forehand by Stan Wawrinka. And that's obviously yes. the outlier. That's the extreme. But at all levels yes. of tennis, as you, try to pro- as you try to progress, one of the obstacles you're going to overcome is handling handling the pace of your opponent. Um, I guess to start off here, you know, why should a player, you know, you're immediately facing someone and you can tell, oh, this person hits harder than me. Why should a player not panic? Well, you know, there's a first thing you got to think is like, okay, uh, know your level and what pace is, what's a fast pace is different for everybody, right? Like if you're just learning how to play tennis, anything, it's fast. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, for, for someone who is, you know, an amateur, again, like, you got to think that most of the same things we're talking about is for, you know, the more, more amateur players and, like, you know, higher level juniors and, and people like that who, who, you know, sometimes just need that one tip that clicks on their mind, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I, I'm never, I was never scared of guys who hit the ball too hard because I felt like I would be more solid than them. So, I, you know, I take my chances, um, you know, with them going for more, they're going to make more mistakes. So that's don't panic because, again, you're not playing Roger Federer. You're not playing someone who's just going to blast you off the court. Someone might hit the ball hard, but, you know, if you're capable of making them hit hard three, four, five shots, you know, throughout, you know, two, three sets, um, their accuracy is going to go down. Their fitness level is going to go down. Uh, all those things. So it's it's okay for to play people with pace. Just don't be scared of it because it's not, you know, it's not necessarily what makes it or breaks it. Um, what makes someone win or lose, you know. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you talk about in the video at the beginning is holding your ground and, you know, hitting yeah. the ball from a solid base, a solid position. Yeah. And when you say that again, solid base, uh, for those of us schooled in the game, you know, that makes sense. The base of our shot is, you know, the forehand yeah. as you're the ready position, as it's also discussed, I suppose, uh, or yeah. another name for it. But in terms of staying steady, holding your ground, what does that mean in terms of staying, you know, how can you describe that position uh, for the listeners? Well, well, it's so think about if someone is hitting the ball super hard to you, the, a lot of people will, the tendency is to try to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it give you a little bit more time to hit. And obviously, like, don't hold the, the baseline. Don't, if someone's hitting the ball too hard, give yourself already a little bit more space between you and the baseline. So you have more time to handle those shots and, like, work yourself into the baseline. But uh, the, when I say to have a good base, is if someone's hitting hard shots and you try to like move back too much and forget about actually um, from your ready position, you make your shoulder turn and 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 set your feet on the ground. Um, the ball is going to catch you, no matter what. The ball is coming faster than you're moving. So, ideally, you want to just move enough where you can create space um, from this hard shot, but still have like your feet. By the time you're, you know, you're starting your follow through, like from your take back, um, that you still, you, that you have your feet on the ground because the ground um, will allow you to actually absorb that impact a little easier, and you can send that ball back. Um, just kind of use the pace to send it back, right? So, um, 
that's what I'm uh, what I mean about having a, a solid base in a, in a sense of like uh, make sure um, by the time you're you're going to hit the ball um, you're not moving too much with your feet no like little steps like set your feet like set your feet on the ground use the ground as uh, uh, to push you um, back um, towards the ball and towards where you want to hit, hit the hit the hit the shot sorry no absolutely and again uh, for those listeners at home who hear a little bit of background knows that is of course we are joined today by a third guest Carew's lovely brand new dog who we learned a little bit about on last week's show um but yeah and again I feel like we're friends at this point right we can tell each other hard truths yes okay my loving thing to you on the backhand exceptional weights moving forward every time I watched the video that back foot gets a little jumpy for you, Carew. Oh, yeah, I know. That's why I, I, my, my form is in the – I'm not saying I'm perfect in that. Uh, there's a few that I'm doing okay, but, yeah, like that's at some point when I was playing and I was working on a lot, my, my default on the forehand side was to to back up a little bit. I like playing open stance a lot, mm-hmm. um, but my default was to, instead of turning my shoulders and trying to hold my ground, I would – you know, kind of step back and not have a good base, so I would end up being pushed back. And I still do it. You can tell on on the video. There's a few times I don't. There's a few times I do. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's not an easy thing. And again, it's not, it doesn't have to be perfect ever. But yeah, it's uh, uh, it, it's good that is in the video because you guys can see the difference from my back inside how how well I do it, and on the forehand side I don't do it as well. That's why I have Reese there. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's, it, 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 it pay pay attention to those things. Like again, like what we I say it, and yeah, and my, I I fix it because you know I have good timing and all that stuff. But for people who don't have necessarily the same timing as I do, or you know, obviously been playing for as long as I do, um, if it's hard for you to fix things with your hands, it's easier to to fix um uh with fix your body movements than just like oh i'm gonna tinker with my hands you know yeah no without question and you know again that was why i asked if we were friends if i could say that you know point and again absolutely you know you're still an exceptional tennis player you're also hitting against naomi osaka in the video which isn't easy uh it's gonna cause anyone to fall back but in terms of that falling back i guess the key thing in terms of handling pace and beginning to learn to execute against it keeping the momentum forward seems to be the the message you're sending is again not falling back but just finding a way to get your body weight behind the shot at that point right even beyond shortening the back swings just focusing on the body weight is is critical right yeah i I think uh, that's a good point in a sense of like a lot of people be like oh how do i handle fast shots and they'll say like oh just shorten your back swing and then Mm-hmm. But people are like most people don't even know what they're doing in their normal swing. <laughs> exactly. You know, you know what I mean. It's like uh, it's a hard thing for people. Are like, oh, I'm just all of a sudden like I have to have a shorter back swing. Wait a second, I don't even know like how I'm doing my swing right now. And they're not obviously you're not watching yourself as much. Like play if you're an amateur, all the all those things. But I think if you if you fix your lower body um, in most shots, not just in this case, but in most shots, if you have kind of like a proper setup with your feet and with your using your legs and whatnot, you just, you're actually going to be better off. Um, so in this, this case here, um, a lot of it is, you know, making sure that I, I use it and I use this example in the video that it's like, if you're going to be, get a, take a punch, you know, you're not going to just 
fully like back up or just have your body super loose you need to you need to your body to be strong so you kind of you know absorb that pace and balls that are coming big like that they're like going to be pushing you back they're going to be they have weight behind them so uh, you need to kind of be the guy who actually intentionally uses their body to handle the pace it doesn't mean you're hitting the ball back harder so i want to make that clear you're not just because you're using your body and not letting the ball push you back doesn't mean you're hitting it harder it just means you're actually you know absorbing the 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 impact better by using your entire body and then it's going to be much easier to actually just hit the ball back to the court back on the court Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, what are the most common mistakes you typically see when people try to absorb pace? Uh, I think a big mistake is the stay loose um, coaching style. It's like, oh, ball's coming big. Just try to stay loose and it's going to be okay. But like, again, <laughs> um, I, I, I say these things because it's like staying loose um, it, first of all, this is another, it's a whole other podcast because I have plenty, <laughs> of pl- plenty of thoughts on staying loose. Um, but it's, it, it's, uh, you've got to stay both strong and still flowing. That's, that's an important thing. Like your body is strong. Your, your base is strong. Your, uh, you, your chest, your core is engaged. Yes, your arm and the hands are going to be a little more, a little looser, but everything else needs to work uh, together. And I think a lot of people stay loose and they end up only trying to handle the pace with their hands, not even the arms, but straight up just like hands. It's like, oh, ball came, came fast, so I'm just like, I don't really have much time, so I just stay loose through with my hands and I try to like tap the ball back or, you know, they don't fully trust that they can actually have a swing at it sometimes you obviously don't some especially if you're on the on the run again tennis is like there's too many things to break down in just like you know 30 minutes here but but especially if that ball is coming fast to you on returns as well we can use all those tips and returns it's like staying strong through the return and not staying too loose um and to what what happens when you're too loose like it's kind of like a, a follow-up to it it's like your contact it's not long enough. Uh, that, that ball doesn't stay in your strings long enough so you have control. So if you stay too loose, you're going to tap the ball loose. You're going to tap – the ball is just kind of tap your strings and launch the other way because it's already coming fast and you're just kind of giving that force back. So if you kind of stay strong through, you're able to actually kind of keep that ball in your racket for a little bit longer um, so you have a little bit more control um, of the shot you're hitting. So that's really the biggest mistake. I think uh, also – um, people will sometimes I see, what I see a lot is people will actually load their legs well, so they'll bend their, their knees well, but they will like step, st- stand up too quickly, like before they hit. So they didn't really use their legs through the shots. They, they bent their knees, but they stood up way too quickly. And then they, they didn't really hit the ball like under it, especially if the ball is coming fast and low to create that like nice parable shape uh, on the ball. So like that happens a lot. Like people, that ball comes quick and someone is like, oh, they load, but then they're kind of, they get pushed back. It's like that whole thing of being pushed back and, you know, straightening the legs. Um, That happens a lot. That's something that just happens a lot. And because you're kind of scared, it's like, oh, I'm going to miss it. And you don't (laughs) fully trust they're using the legs and all that stuff. So it's, uh, and that I see in like high level junior 
whatnot. I do it myself, so it's, it's not uncommon by any means. But I know even if you watch uh, Reese there, I think like he has one, or maybe I have it on that I didn't add on on the video. I should have added, but um, you know, a, a few of those when they were doing office defense, like he he would just like stand up straight a little bit too early and then miss hit the con miss hit the ball because um you know he would kind of hit under his racket too much mm-hmm. um, no. so yeah those are kind of the, the 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 things i see a lot when people are handling and this is mo- again mostly people who are already playing and already playing guys who are hitting the ball hard not someone who's you know just picking up a racket no of course and let me just say on restalder again not going to be a new fact to some of our longtime cracked rackets listeners but one of my favorite college tennis players over the last 10 years i have you know i've seen a lot of talented people come through college tennis you know physically restalder not blessed with the most physical talent for the start he's a redhead and you know you're inherently down <laughs> too when you're a ginger um but in terms of striking the ball in terms of feel on the court and just the different shots he can produce i don't know if i've yeah, seen no. anyone more talented you know throughout college tennis certainly he's, people of equal talent but no one more talented than reese yeah he's he's fun to watch actually I always liked it. He he knows he, what he does well. He he's creative. Uh, he finds ways of winning, not necessarily relying on power. Even though he has a lot of power for you know his frame, uh, he's actually fun to watch. I always liked it. Yeah, always one of my favorite tennis players as well. Agreed. I my first event I ever covered as a member of the press quotation marks around member of the press uh was the 2018 ncaa finals in wake forest and i'll never forget that tcu team had like four guys because three guys had gotten injured and they were playing illinois and like the the look of disgust on reese's face when he was like i cannot believe we're gonna lose to this illinois team who i think they had beaten the year before and it was just it was exceptional great great moment for me that's when i was like i love this college tennis thing and so reese always a place in my heart all right my last question for you in terms of hand pace assuming these people you know players have an established base assuming they don't don't you know condense the backswing stay firm through the follow-through what should you be focusing on doing with that shot is it more about placement more about depth you know what 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 should you be trying to do with your response um depth um i mean again um i this is kind of my mindset Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that depth is kind of what you're trying to aim. You know, if you watch any any player who is known as a good, I wouldn't say counter puncher, but like you know, someone who handles pace well, like Novak or Rafa Murray, um, their ability to send balls that are not only um, not only just coming fast to them, but even on the, on the run or on the run, um, th- their ability to send that ball deep is incredible. Obviously they're able to, to hit the corners board more, but for most amateurs, for mo- most people who are, um, you know, just kind of having to deal with that against their, you know, club nemesis or something, depth will be, will be key. Like sometimes, so for example, if you're in a defensive position, Let's say someone hits a good ball cross court hard, and you hit the ball. Try to hit the ball cross court again. If you don't find good depth, if you find that ball to be a little bit short, maybe in, inside the, the service box, it's much easier to redirect that ball down the line um, from an angle, like when you're not necessarily right in the middle of the court. But now, if you're on a defensive position, you actually send the ball super deep. Uh, through the middle, that's it. The points reset. You're back to neutral. You're not back in offense, 
but you're neutral. So it's a it's a very important important thing to look for depth, and when you're training, uh, find ways. Again, we I, we're not here coaching anyone because we can't see how you play, but find a way that you feel most comfortable sending ball, the ball deep. It can be with a little more height. Um, you know, if you hit with a little bit too much top spin, sometimes if you try to hit too high, that ball might land a little bit short. So you want to get at a little bit length again, like the shape of the, of your, of your shot might need a little more extension, but look for that, like find the ways you, you know, you, you go out to train this certain shot, find a way to, to hit the ball deep, you know, in the, and, and not let the person control the baseline too much. That would be, you know, because you don't, again, you don't need to hit a lot of those. That's the key thing. Like, you're not going to need to spend the entire match handling pace. You need to hit once or twice a point. Oh, there he goes. He's peeing. Sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm trying to not pee, like, pee pad him, potty train him inside so he learns to go outside, but it's not working out. Um <laughs> Uh, but it's like, uh, you know, every point you're not going to need to hit like perfect shots deep to handle pace for seven to eight balls. You, you will need once or twice because most players aren't necessarily as good to like, okay, I'm going to take over the point again off this deep middle shot. You know what I mean? It's like, it just doesn't happen. Think about like the level that you play, Alex. It's like, if you're able to neutralize one or two hard balls, you're probably going to be okay in the point. It's not like the guys are going to, okay, all of a sudden there's a, a fifth gear or, or a sixth gear that they they become the outposter. It's like, no, that, that's pretty much what they got. And if you're able to handle it, it's going to get in their head. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're in the pros, yeah, maybe they can turn it up a notch. It's like, oh, this space is not working. I'm going to turn it up a notch. But in the, in the amateur or even like high junior, high level junior, like – someone's going to be hitting hard, but that's about it. Like they don't really have another gear. So if they realize they're like, Oh my God, this guy can actually handle my pace. Then you're, you're already like in their heads and they're going to, might, they might hit too. They might start overhitting. They might start missing more and all that stuff. So again, play the match, play the match. Don't be worried about the, you know, how fast the balls are coming all the stuff. Just like, you know, we, we, tennis is long, you know, it can not work. Something not work for like three, three, games or something but then all of a sudden you start finding the depth you start finding the so my response to that again twofold a fuck you i'm better at tennis than you think um <laughs> in terms of i would like to i when i describe my own level i say if you're better than me i like to think you're actually pretty good at tennis if you're worse than me you're just not good like i'm sorry like if you're better you're good you're playing college you're all these things if you're worse you're just not very good i'm sorry to everyone out there that's how i would describe my game the the definition of average or the definition i suppose of competent at tennis you'd be like yeah he knows what he's doing well that's what i'm saying like if you're average that's what i'm saying i'm not talking about you i'm talking about the guys that are around your level, right? Like yeah, but I'm sensitive. It's always about me, Carew. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> no, no, I think you make a very good point. I agree with you, especially yeah. it's like if this person's trying to blast away and you can withstand the first two, then you're right. That third yeah. ball is going to be an error. Yeah, exactly. It, most of the time it's going to be an error. And and, and if, you, if you're able to play, you know, five, deep, five good balls and they're just hitting super hard and it's the, going in. Then yeah, then they're really good. good. Shake, <laughs> shake, shake their hand. I think is that that that's let's keep it simple that way, right? Like I think 
again, I say in the video, too many people just, oh, I can't handle this fastball because of my swing or because I should be creating this or that. It's like there's a million things um, that, you know, it's not realistic, right? It's like, again, I, I always compare myself as like, as golf because in golf, you know, I'm an amateur golfer mm-hmm. and I can go online and be like, there's all these fixes to everything and I'll hit a draw like this or hit this ball like that. And I'm like, man, all I need to do is hit the ball straight. Like, I, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, I, I just want to hit the ball. I don't want to like shape my shots and all this stuff. And I think a lot of people kind of end up tr- trying to things, trying to do things that it's a little, a little further away from their abilities at the point, at that, at that, point you know what i mean it's like here here making sure and this is for every stroke good shoulder turns good base all those things like will take you much longer much uh like further away in you know in a tournament or in like you know your matches than uh all this fancy tricks or or anything so it's like just keep it simple here again don't go out of your way it's like oh the ball's coming hard i'm not very comfortable with with it don't panic and try to hit a winner off of it hit the ball to the other side let the guy figure it out again mm-hmm. um, and just kind of go from there no i completely agree with you well then my last question the hardest hitter you ever faced in your career hardest hitter um that is a good question man i mean i if i want to for real real probably tm but that was when we were juniors so <laughs> Uh, and, and he, I mean, he was already such a strong hitter for our age, Mm -hmm. but obviously like we were kids, I think in pros, I probably want to say Eubanks gave me, like, I like hitting big hitters. Like I, I, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the challenge. I enjoyed putting them down. Um, but for a little while I was just like in that match, I remember I was pretty pissed off. I was like, you know, (laughs) It's just so not in my racket um, that, you know, every point was so short and it was just like an annoying, an annoying match that, that day. And I remember, um, you know, his serve was just so big and he, his forehand, he kind of pulled trigger from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I've trained with like, you know, Ernesto Scobedo, who's just a monster hitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Taylor Fritz also has easy power. So some of those guys, yeah. But yeah. no one like no, I haven't played anyone like in really the top, yeah, know, fifty. That is a huge hitter. No, of course those got you know team uh, Rayanich yeah. just hitting missiles. Curious, those yeah. obviously stand out. I feel like yeah. as you know, two of the underrated guys, Virginia guys, I'll turn to just to rub it in. I suppose I feel like you know in terms of live shoulders, Ty Kwiatkowski when he wants to let it rip, he can let it rip. Um, well, I guess uh, yeah, I played Ryan. Shane. Sure, Shane. there's a good one. There, yeah. Ryan's a big hitter of the ball. He hits the ball like it's pretty to watch him hit the ball. It's like he comes off his racket so perfectly. It just comes off right. I describe it as right. Yeah, or um, or it, it doesn't, and the shank ends up three oh, quarts yeah, no, over. Yeah, absolutely, or it doesn't. But like when he's hitting it, it does come off his racket like really beautifully. Uh, and he just has such easy access to power. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he probably, we played last year, but he was just coming back from injury. 
but yeah, he was kind of like, again, like I just don't mind playing those guys because I, I just kind of Andy Murray my way through the match <laughs> and then like figure out a way. Um, but, dude. <laughs> this um, is the dog. The dog's ready for the pod to end. Dude, he's just like all over the place right now. Yeah, no, um, that's the joy of a young. Yeah, pup. it's uh, it's um, yeah. Ryan Ryan's a pretty big ball hitter, but yeah, yeah. Those 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 guys. No, uh, I've seen like Julian Lands at that one time we played. He was just really huge in college. He was hitting the ball massive. So too. I remember that. On that note, the best performance I swear to God I have ever seen on a tennis court, and I've watched Roger Federer in the title match of the Cincy Masters beat both Novak Djokovic and David Ferrer, but I swear to God the best performance I have ever seen was Ryan Shane beating Julian Lenz in, I want to say, the 2015 NCAA semifinals. He beats him yeah. like 3-3, three and three, and it's just like, I'm sorry, Julian, Julian, but like you, it doesn't matter what you do. Like, sorry. Like, yeah. It yeah, was it was Baylor at too, Baylor, and, too. And it was just like, what yeah. is going on? Yeah, but in what's his face? Julian was really good at Baylor. I know mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be him three and three there, as a, you got to be playing lights out. Yeah, it was, it was just like every ball was either a winner or an ace. And it's just like, or a shank seven Shane, courts down. Sh- yeah. Right. Shane is a, um, is a poor man's stand. <laughs> poor man. Poor man, he's too like really f-ing good, but like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like he, he, they're just kind of the same player. They're just he, he can hit winners off any place on the court. They can. It's just a very, um, they're very similar styled players. No, it's it's unbelievable. One of my favorite yeah. again ball strikers I've ever seen. Well, on that note, then I will let you go deal with your dog. And you know, it's always a pleasure to have you. And I know, yeah, and I get the fortune of getting to know that we're going to speak next week. If this dog keeps peeing yes. inside, he may not be talking next week. So the last I thing I will ask you, gone. yeah, exactly. One last time for our listeners, tell them about the racket giveaway, where they can find out about that, and where they can find all of your stuff. All right, go to, um, you know, for the racket giveaway, all the instructions are on our Instagram. Um, but if you, you know, are too lazy to go there, um, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. That, that will be one entry. You can uh, subscribe to our email list on My Tennis HQ. That's also an entry to the giveaway. And then you can go to the post on our Instagram and uh, follow us and tag a friend. And that will give you another entry. So any person can have that up to three entries uh, for this racket giveaway. So go check that out. Um, we will have, hopefully, I think every Monday I'm going to post a video. So I think we're going to have a, a video, a podcast about it every Tuesday. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then go to mytennishq.com. There's a ton of new content out there. And you can hear my dog squeaking this duck that i bought him for some reason (laughs) and yeah appreciate your time man dude it is always a pleasure as i said at the beginning i'm never quite sure what we're ever going to talk about but we always end up having a good time when we do so uh you know seriously crew stay safe stay healthy we will talk to you more next week absolutely take care man yep take it easy
Hope all of you enjoyed another edition of Technique Tuesday with our friend Caruso from My Tennis HQ. Again, to enter that racket competition, go check out their Instagram, their Twitter. You want to win yourself a free head racket whenever you can. So, you know, I might even sneak into that competition registration. It's probably wrong for me to win that. And if I did, I would definitely give it to the next winner. Um, But, you know, I might just do it just to spice things up. Get in the competition because I obviously miss competing as well. And again, go to MyTennisHQ.com. To check out all of the fantastic content Guy, Austin, Carew, our friends there are putting up right now. It's a fantastic resource for all of you tennis fans, so again, be sure to go support them as well. If you have missed anything we've been up to here at Cracked Rackets, uh, be sure to go check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. All things rockin' and rollin' on this podcast, where yesterday, you know, we had JC Aragoni on the show, so we really try to get, you know, as many perspectives to listeners throughout the week as possible on this podcast on our Cracked Interviews podcast, where I believe we have Monica Pui either up today or will be up later in the day. Big queue of guests as well that I know you listeners will enjoy hearing from. Of course, Great Shot Podcast, rocking and rolling as well. The podcast version of CR Classics, the latest episode posted, the two-hour uh, episode we did on the 2005 Australian Semi, Ben Rothenberg and I talking about that Serena Sharapova match and the legacy of it that followed on YouTube, the most recent edition of CR Classics. Dennis Kudla joins me to talk about a different 2005 Australian Open semifinal. Roger Federer losing a match to Murat Safin deep in a fifth set, a dramatic match. That's really right before Roger Federer's career takes off, and it's a fun one to talk about. Of course, always fun to do it with someone the level of Dennis Kudla as well, and that's the biggest treat for me here at Crack Track, to get to talk to people like Carew and, you know, JC and, you know, the Amy Frazier's of the world, the Claire Luz of the world, the Alexa Grams of the world, uh, just to hear so many differing perspectives. It's re- truthfully a privilege to do this here at Crack Rackets, and of course, I value it now uh, more than ever. And so if any of you need any of your tennis content filled, be sure to like, rate, subscribe, review to this podcast, the Cracked Interviews podcast, the Great Shot podcast, and of course, our newest podcast series as well, the Inside Out podcast, our narrative-based show here, first season, which talks about the best American male tennis players throughout uh, the open era, who was the best in any given season. I know that is a show all of you will enjoy, so be sure to go check that out. Again, the YouTube channel rocking and rolling as well, hitting one, overserved, all of that and more you can find there. And you can find all of it on our website, crackrackets.com. Shout out as always to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. As I always say, it's very easy to talk into a microphone, much more difficult to make it sound coherent. And of course, Fligner and Westoff are the ones responsible for that. So shout out to them. Shout out to our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code CR. 15, your one-stop shop for all of your tennis needs. Also, be sure to go to aerobar.com. Our friends there, we're doing Getting to the Point Thursdays, our first episode of which talked to Michael Russell about, you know, nutrition and how that helped him get to where he is or where he was during his professional tennis career. And, you know, not just nutrition, but, you know, what his fitness looked like, his training, and why it gave him an edge, why, you know, focusing on nutrition and treating your body right can get any tennis player, regardless of their level and edge as well. So be sure to be on the lookout for those and go to aerobar.com. Use the promo code CRACKED15 for 15% off. It truly is the only tennis-specific energy bar out there. And let me tell you, folks, it really is delicious as well. So go there, use that promo code CRACKED15. But with that being said, for my wonderful 
co-host on another edition of Technique Tuesday Carousel. Our super producers, Max Slinger and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, folks. That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.